Today is Palm Sunday, or uh, some call Passion Sunday. It's the Sunday before the crucifixion, the Sunday before the resurrection. And so it's the kickoff of what is the Passion Week or uh, the Holy Week. And so what I want us to do today is I want, to, I want us to enter Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago for the original Palm Sunday and to be able to stay there for the rest of the week throughout the Holy Week so that when we gather together on Friday to recognize, to reflect upon Good Friday in which Jesus died for our sins, and then when we come together next Sunday to celebrate in a very profound and special way, it will truly be that. That we will have a time in which we truly engage in a very special way with God and with each other. And so we're going to enter Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago. And again, my goal and prayer is that we will spiritually, mentally, metaphorically stay there for the week ahead. You guys with me, church? So let's go ahead and let's pray. Father in heaven, boy, it's been good to worship. God, you are worthy of praise. And we want to praise you again today, not just by with our words and lips of service and as we encourage one another, but God to offer up our attention to your message this morning. And so God, as we look into the scriptures, speak to us individually, speak to us collectively, guide our thoughts so that we may truly enter into your holy sanctuary and experience you that will propel us to experience you in a very profound way as we leave here and as we embark upon life for the rest of the week. God, because we want to recall, we want to reflect, we want to remember this so that we can establish a greater faith, a greater walk, a greater trust in you and we want your glory to be seen and experienced in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so we're going to, uh, you know, we like to try some things. And if they work, hallelujah. And if they don't, we won't do it again. All right? And so we're going to try some things here today. Uh, and we've, we've kind of done this, actually, so I'm not sure if it's a new attempt here. But what I want us to do right now is I want you to take out whatever it is that you take notes with. If you have a phone, pull out your, your note app. If you are old school and you have physical pen and paper, I want you to take it out. Because as we read through the passage here today, as we examine and observe the original Palm Sunday, I want you to jot down your own observations. Something might stick out to you. Something might intrigue you. Something might stand out and excite you. Something might cause you to have a question. Well, hmm, why is this? And I want you to write that down as we read it together. We'll give you a chance to then write down some of your observations so you can have a couple of minutes. And we're going to have some good sharing. And then I'm going to share with you some observations that I have. So it's not as much of a traditional sermon here today as much as sharing several observations. But Gary, you know I'm a preacher, so the preacher's always going to come out of me. And so let's go ahead here and let's do this. But here's the first thing I want 
to throw out for you as an observation. And the first is this, is that more is written about this week, the Holy Week, than anything else in the Gospels. That right there is interesting. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. But there's more written in the Gospels. The Gospels are the four biographies, if you will, about Jesus, his life, and his ministry. And they primarily focus on three years, his ministry, his public ministry. And as they focus on that, the thing that they highlight and focus in on the most is the last week of his life. Why is that? Maybe you can write that down. What is an observation? What is something? What do you think? Why is that the case? And what does that mean for us today? Why is that? And what does that mean for us today? Let's go ahead and let's get into Luke chapter 19. Brothers and sisters, are you with me? Luke chapter 19, verse 28 it reads, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. I like this about Jesus. Boy, I wish I can do that. Why don't you go on over to Best Buy and say the Lord needs it? We continue. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked him, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. Threw their cloaks, that's basically their, 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 uh, their coats, on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, People spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he went over it and said, if you, even you, had only known this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Let's stop right here. Go ahead. We're going to give you a couple of minutes here. Write down some of your observations, things that stood out, things that intrigued you, maybe questions that you had from this original Palm Sunday. Let's do this. Let's have a couple people share real briefly here. Uh, what was an observation that maybe you had or that somebody else shared with you that you thought was noteworthy? Okay, yes, John. All right, that, that, that's, 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 that's cool insight there. He was sad and empathetic with people rejecting God as opposed to, to, to being angry. Yes, so even though some had recognized, even if they weren't, nature itself would recognize who Jesus is and was. Okay, cool, that's awesome. All right, uh, who is that? Eric, go ahead. 
If your heart wasn't right, you weren't going to see what God was going to do. All right, that's cool. That's awesome. All right, any others want to go ahead? All right, Julie, what peace really is and seeing and knowing Jesus actually brings peace there. Okay, awesome. And so I know we shared a number of different things, and, and even hearing that, that was some good observations from other people, right? I know I didn't have some of those. And, and you know what? This practice here uh, really should be something. We do this in part to uh, learn collectively. And it should be something in which we do in our fellowship, in our times with one another, to be able to share. But also this helps you. I know some of us have a hard time reading the Bible, but it's good to read the Scriptures, sit back, and then write down, what did I observe here? What stood out to me? And so again, this is a good practice in our connection, but also even our own personal devotional time with God. And I want to share a couple observations that stood out to me that I have. And number one is this idea of unashamed praise. It says there in the scripture, when he came near to the place, it says, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. They were joyful. It was the whole crowd, and they didn't whisper their praises. They were fired up. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. It says that they put their cloaks down on the ground. And in the other uh, three Gospels, it talks about they cut down these palm branches and these, so that they can lay them on the ground, and that's why it's called Palm Sunday. And you would only do that with palms if it was a major celebration in the Jewish culture. So they recognized, man, this is incredible. Picture that scene. You're there. You're like, what is going on? And it's just gaining steam, and the whole crowd, they're yelling, blessed as he's walking. And it had to have happened over a longer period of time than we imagined, because he was riding on a donkey. He wasn't riding on a horse. How long do you think that trip took? I don't know, but I know even if the, the donkey was going fast, it didn't make it in that quick of amount of time. You get what I'm saying? And so this celebration, this worship service, if you, have, if you will, was something that was phenomenal, something incredible. But here is the thing. Jesus, you can see he's a trending topic for the good, but also there's some negativity and skepticism about him. And we see this in John 11. It says, but the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. So that's the scene that is waiting for Jesus as he goes into Jerusalem. And this makes this praise, this public display even more incredible when you know that some of the people that were there knew He's a wanted man. They want to arrest him. So now, what would that take to publicly yell out, here's the king, praise be, Hosanna, here comes the one who comes in the name of the Lord. What would that require of these people? Some courage, wouldn't it? Some boldness. Because they didn't whisper. They're joyfully yelling, here he is, knowing that there's people that want to arrest him. Wait a second, that could maybe be a threat to me and my family. And we see this unashamed praise. And it makes me think, well, why? Why would they embark on such a public display? And we see it in the scripture here. It says, for all the miracles they had seen. 
They saw Jesus. They witnessed Jesus. The apostles were able to actually experience and help in performing miracles from Jesus. And they were so filled with excitement, with joy, with inspiration, with gratitude, that they said, we just have to worship right now. And we're going to have a grand old time in acknowledging. And they don't even fully grasp what's taking place. But they're going, we have to shout out. Now let me ask you this. Has God done some miraculous things in your life? Has he done any good in your life? Then let me ask you this. If he's done that, what should our praise be like? If God's done anything in your life, what should your praise be like? And we're not talking about just a worship service. We're not talking about getting in here and just being loud and yelling out. And that's all fine and dandy. That's great. I, I hope we do yell out to the Lord. But we know it goes beyond that. But what should our praise be like if God's done some good in our life? I hope and pray that we can have unashamed praise, but even beyond that, have unashamed representation of Jesus. You get what I'm saying? An unashamed representation of Jesus at our school, at our job, in our neighborhood, with that family member, with that coworker, I don't know about you, but I can have times in which uh, this light of mine I'm supposed to be, I can put a bowl over it because I'm insecure about an unashamed praise. You guys get what I'm saying? Can you relate to that at all? I'll just share, and you know what, actually the more and more I think about this, the more and more convicted I am about this. And you know, before I went into the full-time ministry, I worked in sports radio, and I did that uh, for, for four years there. And so when I went and transitioned to uh, working solely for the church there and leading the youth ministry at that time, I was very excited, I was very grateful, very humbled, very inspired. But when I would introduce myself or get in conversations, there would be this insecurity that would overtake me at times. In which I would say, hey, yeah, we, hey, what do you do for a living? And there would be something real quick that we had to like, uh, I'm a minister? And I would be hesitating. And there was times where I did this and too many probably for me to count in which I, 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 I'm embarrassed about. But I would say, oh, I'm a minister, but I used to work in radio. Like, I wanted to quickly get that out there. You know what I'm saying? And I had this insecurity there. And part of it, honestly, part of it was I didn't like when things got real phony after I told them I was a minister. Like, they'd be cussing up a storm. Ah, and then I'm like, I'm a minister. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. I'm like, come on, man. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just not, let's just be who you are. We don't have to front. You know what I mean? Like, a part of me really just gets bothered by that. You know what I mean? And so I didn't like this. So there was part of that. But then there was a part of me as well that was like, hmm, I don't know what's going to happen after they hear this. How are they going to react? Are they going to want to stop having this conversation with me? My chance to reach out to them or whatever the case may be. I would have this insecurity. I don't know if you can relate to any of that at all. And in fact, you know what? I can still be challenged at certain times with this. And I'm proud to say, hey, I'm a minister and all this. But, but there's times where I, I'm, I don't feel the same confidence that I see displayed here of an unashamed praise and representation. Even, in fact, yesterday I went... Um, 
to, to our son's uh, T-ball league, right? And so he had a T-ball game, and little Dominique, hey, little Dominique's doing well, man. I got to tell you that, too. I'm fired up. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm fired up. I'm like, man, I can't believe this is awesome, all right? But uh, maybe it's the jeans. I think it's the jeans, all right? But so we're at the game there, and, and I brought the flyers, the Easter flyers there. And I'm going, all right, you know what? And now I've become assistant coach. I started not, and then I ended up becoming an assistant coach. So now I'm an assistant coach. I'm like, hey, coach. So we've had conversations with the coaches, but we, it, it's just been about baseball. A couple small things here. You guys get what I'm saying here, right? Nothing, nothing, everything's really on the surface. So then we get there, and I have them in my glove. I have these flyers, and I get there. I'm like, okay, game's over. Here we go. Let's do this. And a part of me is like, but do I really want to do this? Is it going to get weird on the next game? Is it going to get weird? I'm like, oh, we don't want you to be an assistant coach anymore. You, you know what I mean? My mind can go a lot of places, and it's, it's just going real quick. I mean, this is in a matter of like 10, 15 seconds. And I'm like, and then one coach goes by, and I'm like, I guess I can't go up to him. And part of me is like, whoo, I'm relieved. And then I said, no. So I ran over there, and I talked to him, and then I started giving out the flyers. And talking. I said, hey, I'm a minister at this church, da, 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 da. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And I was just like, hallelujah, I got over this. But I didn't have this unashamed praise to begin with. You guys get what I'm saying? This unashamed representation of Jesus. And so I pray that as we see this, we can be inspired. We can be inspired to have this pride of who it is that we follow and serve. And so what I realize is that if you can relate it all to any of what I just shared, I think a part of it is that we are out of touch with what God has done in our life. Because when I'm in touch with what God's done in my life, I have no problem sharing that, and I care less what anybody thinks about it. But when those things are a little dim, I'm not as in touch, I'm not as grateful, then these other things can start to influence me. And so again, if you can relate in any way, my encouragement is to literally count your blessings on a consistent basis. For us to be grateful for the miracles which God has done in our lives. Amen. Next thing I want to share here, an observation. The opposition. The Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, rebuke your disciples. These are what I like to call the Savior haters. They're hating on the Savior. And there's opposition. And we see here representation of, of, of not only savior haters, opposition, but doubters. And you know what? As those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, that has always been the case and always will be the case. There will always be opposition and hatred. Sometimes it comes from people. Sometimes it comes in the forms of distractions that become our opposition to truly following and worshiping Jesus. These distractions, hard times, that phone call, that note from the doctor, that discouraging conversation, the losing of something or someone, the temptations of sin begin to distract us. Sometimes it's the consequences of our own sin. And again, sometimes it's literally people trying to oppose us or distract us from following Jesus. And the question is not if they will come in our lives. It's when they will come in our lives. But the better question is how will we respond 
when they come into our lives? Will we give in? Will we quit? Will we fade? Or will we fight, struggle, and overcome? This is why it's so important that you and I, as men and women of God, we focus in on Christian character. Integrity, yes, but grit, determination, and perseverance. Because the opposition in whatever form is at your front door. How will you respond? This is why it's so important that we focus in on our character and become men and women of conviction and not men and women of feelings. Men and women of doing what we think in the moment. Men and women of conviction from God's word. You guys get what I'm saying? And this is why it's so important that we are connected with real, strong, spiritual relationships in which we can share the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the victories and the losses, the struggles that we have. In which we are, again, unashamed of what's going on in our life because there's this reciprocal relationship of building each other up. So this is why we need one another. As we talked about last week, this is also part of belonging to one another. And so it's so important here that we deal with the opposition. Next observation, I have the triumph. It was mentioned here. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I just love that. The stones will cry out. To me, this tells me his praise and his mission can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. Nothing will overcome it. Nothing will overtake it. Nothing will defeat God's plan, will, and purposes. Even if all the rest fail, God's going to raise up something else and more likely someone else to continue to accomplish his will. That should be encouraging for us. That should be comforting for us. God's Squad, God's people, God's plan, his will, will be accomplished, will be victorious. No matter what the opposition is, no matter who fails and stops, he says, even the stones will cry out. And this made me think, huh, should the stones be louder than me? Should the stones be louder than me? Should anything else be louder than me when it comes to praising my good and faithful God? I believe I have to say no. I, I want to be the loudest. I want to be on the front lines. I want to be the, the, the one who proudly proclaims and that no one could get in my way. Just like we sang that song, ain't no rock going to stand in my place. That's what we should all be living like, right? Ain't no bird, right? What's the other one? Ain't no rock, ain't no bird, ain't no tree. Gonna swing his branches. All right, there you go. But, but that should be, that, that really is helpful. That's, a, that's a biblically inspired if we look at it in this context here, right? Nothing should ever be greater or first in line than us when it comes to praising God. We say, no, 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 nobody's gonna take that place. Nothing's gonna take that place. I will honor Jesus. And lastly here, 
And this has several facets to this observation, the types of people that we see. Those who are aware, they recognize who Jesus is. They don't fully capture what's taking place, but they recognize here is the Messiah. Now, some thought he was going to be this political Messiah, this Messiah who would establish the, uh, uh, an earthly kingdom. But they get that, wow, this is who Jesus is. He's the Lord. And so they, they, they kind of get what's happening. And then you have those who are hostile. They're angry. They wanted to stop, rebuke your disciples. Stop them from saying this. And maybe they have several different reasons as to why. But they don't believe in who he is. And then we have those who are ignorant. They don't know. They don't see it. They don't understand it. Or maybe they've been misled by others in their understanding of who Jesus is and what was taking place. Or they just really simply don't want to believe that Jesus is it because that would require a change of lifestyle. And so therefore, I don't, I don't know. I guess I have some doubts or I'm not sure. And we see this in the scripture here. He says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he went over it and said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes at the end of verse 44, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Again, ignorance, not knowing. Maybe some willfully and some unwillfully ignorant to the truth. And what I realized here is that those same types of people back then are the same type of people today. And we all fit into one of these categories. And maybe there's some overlapping in maybe some of these categories. But we see here, we all can fall into one of that. And so the question now is, which one am I today? What category am I in? And then, what am I going to do about it? Which one am I, and now what am I going to do about it? You know, if you're, and many of us, we would fall into the category of being aware of who Jesus is and what was taking place, and hallelujah for that. So then we have to ask ourselves, then, am I praising God in the same way with my life? If I'm aware, then what am I doing with that awareness, with this knowledge, with this truth, with this treasure? What am I doing with it? And being called to help proclaim his kingdom by sharing the gospel with our friend, coworker, neighbor, and classmates. And you know, what a great opportunity we even have this week to start inviting people to join us this Sunday to celebrate the resurrected Lord. For some of us, maybe we're, we're hostile, we're mad at God. We resist looking into this Jesus and who he is. I want to encourage you, if that's you today, there's this resistance, maybe this anger, and there might be legitimate reasons, I don't know. But I want to encourage you today to seek out with sincerity who Jesus is. He pointed out, hey, as John and Julie pointed out, there was sadness because they weren't able to experience what Jesus was offering. A lot of us have FOMO. And we don't want to have FOMO when it comes to the treasure of the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you to seek out with sincerity what and who is Jesus? What is he all about? And the best way to do that is by having a Bible study. And for some of us, 
maybe we're ignorant. We're not sure about Jesus. We have questions or maybe we have doubts about Jesus or we, we, maybe we know the truth, but we really don't want to face a lifestyle change. My encouragement for you today is to first be honest about that. Be honest. Sit down with someone and share. Hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm going through. Here's the honest truth. To go ahead and be honest, but then second, to just open your heart to seek out Jesus. I'm not calling you to commit, but to open your heart to seek him out. And again, the best way is to have someone sit down and be able to share with you who Jesus is and what, is he, what he is about. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you are at, to identify, but then go the next step and to decide what you're going to do about it. And so for this week here, here's the call for the congregation. It's to examine and prepare. Remember, we talked about the Holy Week is the topic that is looked at and focused on the most out of all Scripture and, and the Gospels, excuse me. And so one-third of all four Gospels is on the final week of Jesus. So 29 of 89 chapters is about this final week. And some have made the case, you can look at the, the, the Gospel of John, from John chapter 12 all the way to 20, that's about half of the Gospel that he wrote was about these final seven days. So obviously this is very important. The Holy Spirit is trying to get us to connect with Jesus and this Holy or Passion Week. And so I believe it's a time for us this week here to examine where is my faith? Where is my heart with Jesus? And to, and to prepare this week to remember and to celebrate the events that changed the world and changed our lives. And so let's get real practical. Let's funnel this all the way down here. And so we have our action steps of the week. Here are our Holy Week action steps for, for the next seven days. You can start today. And that's to go over the Holy Week for your daily devotional time. Some call that quiet times. And you can use a Bible app. You, you type in there Holy Week, and they'll give you all kind of devotionals. You can do a Google search and put in there Holy Week devotionals. You have tons of stuff come up. Or you can walk through the Gospels yourself and go through each day and have a time in which you observe, reflect, be inspired by each day of the Holy Week. And so I want to encourage you to do that this week here. So that when we examine ourselves, our heart, where we're at, we're now able to embark and prepare for the week that is here. So that when we get together on Friday, there'll be a time in which we're spiritually connected. We have entered Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. We have remained there. So now as we reflect upon the cross, it can be in a different and profound way. So that by the time we reach here next Sunday, our celebration will be magnificent. And Lord willing, we'll mirror and be inspired by even what we saw on Palm Sunday with, shout, with, with loud shouts of praise to our King and God. And so let's examine and let's prepare. Palm Sunday, the first day of the Passion Week, leading into Good Friday and celebration on Resurrection Sunday. 
Let's close on out in Luke 19, verse 37. Church, are you still with me? When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. May we examine and prepare this Passion Week. Amen.